What's going on, guys? It's Fancy Stock Exchange here, bringing you the 15th installment of our ADP battle series. And uh, today's going to be another banger because uh, that's all we bring on this channel is straight bangers. And today, I'm joined by Noah himself. I'm not going to say it. Don't worry. He's wearing that basketball jersey. He just came back from playing some pickup. How you doing today, Noah? I'm doing all right. It was real hot out today. It was real cloudy, but it was also really muggy, and I was just sweating like crazy. This isn't sweat. I just took a shower, but it's still kind of a mess. We'll overcome. We'll deliver the facts on Miles Sanders and Josh uh, – not Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, for uh, those of you who are wondering, we're actually going to be talking about Miles Sanders versus Joe Mixon and Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson today. But uh, before we do that, okay, hit the intro. Okay, so first off, uh, we're going to bring up Miles Sanders versus Joe Mixon. So currently, uh, in terms of their ADP, Miles Sanders is the RB8 or the 110 off the board, so the 10th pick of the first round. While Joe Mixon is actually one pick behind him, the RB9, well, two total picks behind him, the 112 off the board. So we're actually both going to be making the same decision here, and we're going to be picking Miles Sanders. So I'll let you start this one off as to why Miles Sanders outlast Joe Mixon in this head-to-head comparison. I think when you look at running backs, especially the top end of these guys, like you obviously would want both of them on your team. You wouldn't be mad if that's your RB1 and RB2 combo. But when you're splitting hairs, to me, it might sound simple, but like just look at the offenses. You have either the Cincinnati Bengals, who are in a division with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, who are very good defensively. Even the Cleveland Browns are decent against the run. Or you can choose a guy on the Philadelphia Eagles who goes up against the Washington football team, the Giants. And I'm not going to say the last one because you have way too much respect for that team. Although Aaron Jones kind of showed you last year what they can do against the run. But on top of that, too, like not, not to make a shameless plug, but in the draft guide, I did it last year, I did it again this year, looking at offensive line rankings and how that correlates to fantasy value, it doesn't always mean having a good offensive line is going to propel you into a top five finish. But what I found is if you have a bottom five, bottom eight, or like bottom 12 offensive line, the chances of you finishing as a top five running back, which you're kind of hoping to get investing in the RB9 or RB10, sure, it's fine if they return value at the RB9 or RB10, but you're really shooting for top five upside at that position. What the Bengals have, sure, John, uh, Jonah Williams might be decent, but it's also his first year really playing because he was hurt last year. Billy Price, I don't know if that guy's still on the team. They chose him a few years ago. I don't think he's ever stepped foot on the field. And we saw what they were last year. I think they were 26th or 28th in adjusted line yards. So a few pieces coming back from injury, especially young pieces and a brand new quarterback in a tough division. I'm not so sure the scoring opportunities will be there. And I'm not so sure that the offensive line is going to live up to the hype. And you can make the same case for the Philadelphia Eagles, I I guess, because Brandon Brooks got hurt. But I'm not so sure losing the right guard or whatever the fucking position he plays. I don't study off lines. Yeah, Yeah, I don't study off. Yeah. Um, I don't think him – Lose, not losing his job, but getting injured and missing the season is going to make them like a top 10 unit and go to like a bottom five unit. So I think the offense there is just it, – it lends itself more to more scoring opportunities. Boston Scott, sure, he was decent down the stretch last year, but it all came in the final week where Miles Sanders played like 20% of the snaps and Boston Scott scored three touchdowns. If you look at the playoff game, Miles Sanders still dominated the snaps. And I'm not even the biggest fan of Sanders. I don't think he is – not that he's not a good running back. I still think he's really raw, but – 
the situation he's in, the fact that he put up more receptions in his first year in the league despite being second fiddle to Jordan Howard for most of the season, the early part at least, putting up more receptions in that year than Joe Mixon has ever done. And we keep saying he's going to catch passes and he just keeps not catching passes. I think we've seen too much out of Miles Sanders and too little of Joe Mixon for too long for me to feel confident in pushing the button on Mixon over Sanders. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, you mentioned. Uh, to me, the main thing when it comes to fantasy football upside is, is – because uh, let, let's be honest here. They're both top ten running backs. Any running back in the top ten, we can make the case, is extremely talented. I mean, that's why they're being selected where they are. But the main thing for what separates those top three, top four backs from the rest of the top ten, top twelve is – how, uh, how good their offense is, so like their fantasy scoring, uh, their opportunities to score touchdowns pretty much, and what is their passing game utilization? Because let's be honest here, we're not playing in the Stone Age standard days. We're playing in half PPR, full PPR type formats. Uh, both of those are going to favor Sanders, as I'm kind of going to break down right now. So not to mention, I mean, we're looking at Miles Sanders. This is a guy who finished as the RB15 in his freshman year last year in his first season in the NFL. Despite play- I like that, Danny. You like that, eh? College swing of things right now. Heck yeah, dude. Heck yeah. I mean, this guy. This guy's what two years older than me, one year older than you, pretty much. Let's be honest here. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he, he did that RB 15, 21 in points per game, despite playing on only 52 percent of the snaps last year. Splitting the load with Jordan Howard. Now, the main thing everybody says is, "Oh, well, Doug Peterson is an RB uh, running back by committee, or they don't trust him to get the full workload." That's what every single person on Twitter says. Oh, just wait till they sign a running back and then he's going to be useless. Well, I mean, Doug Peterson saw this kid on 52% of the snaps get 1,425 yards from scrimmage and command 63 targets in a limited sample size last year. The Eagles have yet to bring in another running back into the equation. And if you think a signing like a Devontae Freeman at this point in free agency is really going to halt uh, Miles Sanders from absolutely exploding onto the scene, well, I got news for you. Devontae Freeman is not even close to replacing what Jordan Howard did in terms of production because, oddly enough, Jordan Howard is actually still a really good running back. He's still a solid running back. Devontae Freeman last year was one of the most inefficient backs in in the entire 2019 season. So, ultimately, I'm going to show you guys the graphic on the screen. But the main cause for optimism is what Sanders was able to do uh, when Jordan Howard missed time last year. So, I mean, he only scored four total touchdowns in the stretch. But despite that, his opportunities per game went up from 11.44 when Howard played to uh, 19.85 when Howard did not play, which is a huge, huge, huge jump. Eight opportunities per game. And his yards from scrimmage went up from 71.22 to 98 yards from scrimmage per game. So ultimately here, I mean, those touchdowns are going to go up, in my opinion. I mean, the scoring opportunities are going to increase with a Philadelphia unit that should be in the top 10 area in scoring, in my opinion, in the NFL. I mean, this coming from a Cowboys fan, so you know this has to be objective. So uh, ultimately here, if you're actually looking at it, Philly was seventh in the league in total red zone rushing attempts last year. And despite sharing the backfield with Howard, as I mentioned, and the Boston Scott, I'm going to mention a little later on, he still led the team with 29 red zone attempts. Again, Boston Scott, very efficient running back in the red zone. He was one of the top backs in terms of efficiency in the league. But ultimately here, that's 26 vacated red zone attempts between Jordan Howard, Darren Sproles, and JGI. And while I do think Boston Scott could command a bit, uh, a bit of them, even if you split those down the middle, that's still 42 red zone attempts for Miles Sanders. Ultimately here, I mean, 
plain and simple, he doesn't have to have the full strangle, stranglehold of the rushing volume in the red zone for him to be a really effective red zone uh, back, considering how many opportunities the Eagles offense is going to get in that area. So ultimately here, I mean, if, if Sanders is able to establish himself as that 70% snap guy, which we do believe, especially considering they haven't added an extra running back, I mean, his involvement in the passing game and his scoring opportunities are going to have him as, in my opinion, a top 10 lock and ultimately having that top three type upside that we covet. And while I do like Mixon, I do think, as you mentioned, I mean, he could return on value. I mean, he's going off as the RB9 right now. I can see him having that RB6, RB7 type season. But I just think Sanders is upside because he has the, the advantage in scoring opportunities and passing game utilization. We'll get him uh, the edge here because, again, you mentioned – everybody and their mother says, oh, well, you watch the tape. Joel Mixon is a, a fantastic running back on tape. And I get that. I mean, as a talent, he's probably a top six running back in the league. But at the end of the day here, you don't play fantasy football based on talent. Otherwise, Odell Beckham would actually be a top five worth pick at the receiver position. But when you actually analyze situations, you know that he's not even worth a top 15 receiver slot. We're not going to get into that. But uh, Joe Mixon, to me, I mean, you, you're taking him at the end of your first round. I'm more than fine with that. But if Sanders on the board, I'm just taking him simply because the upside is in Sanders' favor while their floors are kind of similar in my opinion. So, I mean, ultimately here, if you're able to pair those guys, I'm fine with it. But if you're given the choice straight up, I'm taking Miles Sanders and I'm not really looking back. Yeah, and there have been counter arguments to Miles Sanders being a receiving weapon because, oh, last year Alshon Jeffrey got hurt. Deshaun Jackson got hurt. Greg Ward was their wide receiver one. They add Jalen Rager. Well, look at Cincinnati. If we're going to make this comparison between these two guys, A.J. Green was hurt. They just drafted T. Higgins. Maybe it's not as many mouths to feed in Cincinnati as the returning mouths of Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, and a new face in Jalen Rager. But he also caught a ton of passes. Joe Mixon didn't. So if it's going to even out, like, the chances of Miles Sanders catching less passes than Joe Mixon this year, in my opinion, is extremely low. If they finish around, like, 50 each, I wouldn't be surprised. But then again, like, we know what Miles Sanders receiving floor is because not only was he used that way as a rookie, but he was extremely good and efficient in that role. Joe Mixon, he was really good at it in college, but we've never seen it in the NFL, despite Zach Taylor coming over, who helped Todd Gurley go from like 42 receptions to 68 in one season. And now they bring in Joe Burrow. People want to say, oh, because he used Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's used Joe Mixon. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is also Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's also a very, very, very good receiving back. Yeah. Joe Mixon, for as good as he is, isn't the receiver. And this might be like blasphemous to y'all that love Damian Williams, but he isn't the receiver that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is. So I don't expect him to just, you know, step into this offense, Joe Burrow and Pepper, Joe Mixon 80 times a season on, on his way to like 65 catches. So uh, I do like Miles Sanders in the receiving game still, despite a lot of people saying, oh, he only did because a lack of weapons last season. Agreed. I mean, we saw even just the last two years, like, Yes, Joe Mixon, two years ago, he had 55 targets. Everybody was extrapolating that, saying, oh, you know what, he could hit that 70, 80 target range uh, as he improves as a running back. But that target number fell off to 45. And at this point, if we're projecting a huge leap, that's exactly what it is. It would be a projection. While with Miles Sanders, again, 63 targets, only 52% of the snaps, I would be hard-pressed to not lock him in for at least 70 targets. Whereas if Joe Mixon were to get 70 targets, that would be based on projection. So, I mean, ultimately here, I mean, I, I, I think it's a lock for me. I could see Sanders even entering that 80, 90 target range. Maybe that sounds bold, but given the fact of the matter that he's going to be playing more snaps, Carson Wentz has shown 
in the NFL that he does love feeding his running backs the ball and the passing game out of the backfield. While with Joe Burrow, again, you mentioned he's still a project going into the NFL. I do think he's going to be a fantastic quarterback, but especially year one, I mean, we can't just expect him to fully get into the groove give Mixon that 60-target uh, plateau, especially with Giovanni Bernard coming back. I mean, he's still a really good receiving back, too. So while they're going to be supplementing that workload, I do see Miles Sanders kind of commanding the targets out of the backfield in Philly. Well, Boston yeah. Scott might get involved a bit, but not as much as Giovanni Bernard will, in my opinion. Just like Anwell says, it's simple. Who has yeah. the better quarterback, at least at this point? The Eagles, who has the better offense? The Eagles, who has a better offensive line? The Eagles, who's going to be in score more scoring opportunities? The Eagles, who has who has shown to be a better pass catcher in the backfield, the Eagles with Miles Sanders. So, I mean, he checks basically every box and sure he might be a raw prospect and or he's not really a prospect. He spent a year in the league. He might be more of a raw talent, but we've seen despite that last year, he's obviously going to hopefully take steps forward this season. Despite being a raw talent, he was still, what, what do you say, like a top 15 point per game running yeah. back. So he only has up, he only has like up to go from then. For sure. For sure. So, I mean, Discussing this ADP battle, we're both siding with Miles Sanders here. Now, the second segment of this video is actually going to be a widely divided uh, topic in the fantasy football industry, and that is who reigns supreme as the quarterback one in fantasy football. And the main argument you guys are both, uh, you guys are going to watch, and you guys are going to know right away. This comes down to two guys: the last two MVPs in the NFL. We're talking about Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. So. Patrick Mahomes currently has an ADP of the quarterback one at the 211, while Lamar Jackson has an ADP of the quarterback two at the 302. So we're actually both going to side with Mahomes. But again, this is splitting hairs. They're both easily in that tier one. But if told to pick straight up, I would take Mahomes. And again, as I mentioned, I mean, you can't go wrong with either of them. I mean, we saw what Mahomes did in 2018, 50 touchdowns. League MVP, set the league a storm, while Lamar Jackson did the same thing, more so on uh, on the uh, – the advantage of his feet last year. So if you're comparing comparing them, I do tend to lean Mahomes a bit simply because I kind of feel more secure with him as my quarterback one, and I'm more confident that the Chiefs offense can be a top two uh, scoring offense in the NFL. While I'm still like again, I think the Ravens are still going to be fantastic. I'm a little bit more hesitant in seeing what exactly is going to happen there, uh, when, especially with adding J.K. Dobbins, as to how exactly. Uh, that's going to impact Lamar Jackson's usage in the rushing game. And ultimately here, I mean, this just comes down for me, just taking the best real-life quarterback in the game with the volume supporting that. So, I mean, with him, the passing upside is clearly in Mahomes' favor, in my opinion. I mean, in a full 16-game slate, he's basically a lock for nearly 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, in my opinion. Anybody who argues otherwise, I mean, he did it. He did 26 touchdowns last year. That's what people are going to argue. But at the same time, that's also with missing a few games. And that's with the, the passing offense genuinely. Uh, I want to say taking a step back because they were so fantastic last year. But ultimately here, that was also in a stretch where the, the KC defense kind of stepped up when Matt Morris uh, came to play. And they were playing amazing down the stretch. So while I, I ultimately feel like uh, the passing offense for the Chiefs is actually going to go back to what we expect. And that is Mahomes slinging the ball, Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, Clyde edwards helaire as we mentioned in the previous statement. Uh, and it's just, to me, like it's just a safe lock that those guys are going to be putting up nearly 30 points per game. But what are your thoughts, initial thoughts on the comparison between the two? Because, again, this is my initial. My initial thoughts is, like, it really comes down to preference. Do you want your floor coming from the rushing game or your floor coming from the passing game? Because that's what you're going to look at. Lamar Jackson last year had, a, like, a 9.0 touchdown rate, yeah. which might be one of the highest of all time. 
So we obviously, like, we don't like to say regression's in a hit, but it's hard to think that regression won't hit somebody that had such a historic height uh, hitting that 9.0 touchdown mark. And we saw that ha- the same happen to Patrick Mahomes. He was about like 8.6. He went down to like five point something last year. But you hit the nail on the head. Like before he got hurt, he was absolutely cooking. I got the numbers ahead of me right now or in front of me right now um, up until the Houston game in week six because he ended up getting injured the following week. He's on pace for 5,611 yards and 37 touchdowns, which I'm not sure if you've ever heard, but like those are decent enough numbers. Yeah. I know the year prior when Mahomes was the QB1, the QB2 is Andrew Luck, and he basically had a, a ton less yards but 39 touchdowns. So in most seasons, that's a QB1 or QB2 type of year. Then he gets hurt. He slows down a little bit. But another part of his game that I think is extremely underrated, and I think it's underrated because Oops. I didn't even really notice it, but was his rushing ability in the yeah. playoffs. He put up 53 rushing yards and then 53 in a touchdown and then 29 in a touchdown. So he's giving you at least like five points extra in those three games. It's not going to happen every single week, but at least almost like over a touchdown points-wise per game in the playoffs. And even prior to that, he had like a 21-yard uh, rushing game. He had a bunch of other big games earlier in the season, 59 yards, 54 yards. I'm not saying he's a rushing quarterback by any means, but if you think he's only going to give you points through the air, then I think not that you're wrong because he's not going to compare to a Lamar Jackson on the ground, but he yeah. gives you a decent enough floor, like at least half a touchdown worth, like 20 rushing yards, uh, a game type of upside to add to his floor. And this is not me shitting on Lamar Jackson. I think he has as good a chance as Patrick Mahomes as finishing uh, as the QB one in fantasy. But the thing that worries me a little bit is just the lack of weapons that he has. And it was the same case last year, and he still proved to be extremely efficient and extremely good on them, or extremely good with the uh, players that he had around him. But we know Mark Andrews has type 1 diabetes. I don't know how COVID affects that, but if he were to go down, he'd be left with just Marquise Hollywood-Brown, who himself <laughs> – fucking Nick Boyle. Uh, <laughs> Marquise Hollywood-Brown is not the healthiest guy either. Maybe Willie Sneed still has hands. I don't even know what that guy looks like anymore. Hopefully he still has his ponytail hanging out the back of his helmet. But when you compare that to the Kansas City Chiefs, who have a top two tight end in the league, a top three or four wide receiver in the league, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who they just spent a first-round pick on out of the backfield, being a very, very good receiver, um, as opposed to Tommy what I said. Thompson. That dude's a fraud. He is. I saw him with, like, grills in, and like, I couldn't understand a word he said, so I don't know what's going on with him. I think he got too hyped up in the offseason. But um, as opposed to the Baltimore Ravens, where they have absolutely zero depth at the position, at the receiving position, and then, as you said, sinking a second-round pick into J.K. Dobbins. Like, we saw this team wants to kill clock, run the ball, and do that type of shit. And sure, that helps Lamar Jackson a little bit. But what does a, an upgrade from Gus Edwards to J.K. Dobbins do to Lamar Jackson's rushing upside? He can still touch 1,000 rushing yards, but I'm not sure it's going to be like the 1,200 he saw last year. So um, I'm not saying I expect huge regression from Lamar Jackson because I still think he's a lock for like a top three quarterback finish. But Easily, I'll just take yeah. the safety in Patrick Mahomes because we've seen this guy be on pace for almost 40 touchdowns last year and then 50-something the year prior. So we just know what we're getting out of him. He's coming off, like riding high off of, uh, Super Bowl. I don't expect any type of Super Bowl slump out of him because he just looked fantastic down the stretch. Uh, yeah, like I'm fully on board with that. I mean, again, this is literally picking nails. Again, neither of these guys is the wrong option as the first quarterback taken. Like if you're if you're picking at that two three turn, you have Christian McCaffrey. You want to lock up one of these guys, whatever. Like that's the only case I could see for taking a quarterback early is if you have Christian McCaffrey and you basically already have your RB one and wide receiver one basically set that's what he is but uh yeah when you're when you're talking about it again like there's just more causes for concern in my opinion with Lamar in terms of oh you don't know what's going to happen with the touchdown pass rate you don't know what's exactly going to happen while I do think he's going to run the ball 
a crap ton of times. I mean, 176 attempts is basically unheard of from the quarterback position. Average basically seven yards per attempt, 1,200 rushing. I mean, he was just unstoppable on the ground last year. And for me, when I'm looking at it, for the Ravens to want to succeed in the long term and compete in the long term, they're going to want to preserve his natural ability, especially like they don't want him rushing the ball 176 times because at the end of the day here, their goal is a Super Bowl, and you don't want to wear out a guy like that during the regular season. So, I mean, that's just picking nails because I still think like he's going to clear that 140 at minimum rushing attempt mark, probably near that uh, 1,100 yard area. But I mean, his season last year, 36 passing touchdowns on basically 3,200 passing yards just does not happen. Just does not happen. And if he, if he falls again to that like 26 to 29 type passing touchdown range, that's going to hurt his overall passing volume. His rushing volume is going to go down a little bit if he if the team actually wants to win. Because plain and simple, that's just I, I just I can't see him rushing for 176 carries and them really making a push for the Super Bowl given that. Like it just I don't know. I don't know what to make sense of it. Ultimately, when I when I'm confused, I just pick the guy who's safer and you're looking at Patrick Mahomes. You're basically a lock for five thousand yards, basically a lock for forty touchdowns. I mean, just take the safer option in my opinion, but if you do decide to go Lamar, because I do think Lamar has the higher ceiling due to that rushing upside, while Mahomes probably has the higher floor, in my opinion, you can't go wrong, but I'm personally going with Mahomes. I thought usually when you're confused, you just go unchecked. That's that's what I've heard in the past, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. The other thing is, like, people want to say, oh, Lamar Jackson got figured out in the playoffs once again. The guy had, like, 170 rushing yards. Yeah, you can like, be figured out all you want. If you're giving me 17 points on the ground as a quarterback, I don't give a fuck if they know what play you're running or if you're running at all because you're just going to get the 17 points and then on top of that, whatever you put up through the air. And also the year prior, the Chargers kind of like figured him out in the playoffs and he just went out and was the QB one on the season. So yeah. I don't care about what happens in the playoffs. It's not anywhere near what the regular season is, especially when you're going up against the Cincinnati Bengals twice a year. Heck, if he's, if he's rushing for 170 yards in the game, I could be his fucking wide receiver when you start, still start him on the week. Like, play it simple because that 17-point floor is just insane. But, yeah, I mean, again, there is no wrong answer here, especially, like, we're talking about one QB, obviously, 211-302. I'm probably out on either at that area because I just, like, you know, pounding the running backs, pounding if Travis Kelsey made it that far. But, I mean, if you're talking Superflex, those two guys are literal, literal. If you're talking, first of all, Dynasty Superflex, those guys are top four locks. If you're talking about just Superflex reject, I mean, those guys are, what, top six, top seven locks. So, ultimately here, you can't go wrong. I'm slightly going with Mahomes because of the security. You're going the same way, same reasons. So, ultimately here, I say that a lot. But, yeah, that that'll basically just conclude. Anything else you want to add before we head out of here? Because, I mean, I think no, – that's it. I think, I think we did a decent enough job on this one, Danny. Yeah, I'm just kind of fucking rambling on right now. But hopefully you guys got a lot out of those two debates. Again, we went with Sanders over Mixon and Mahomes over Jackson. If you guys enjoyed the video, make sure you go leave a like button, comment down below, hit that subscribe button. We got Noah back. You know, anything you want to plug, you want to plug the bunker breakdowns, we'll have it in the description. Everything, go ahead. The floor is yours. That's all good. Whatever you put in the description for me, Danny, I'll be happy with. So thanks for having me on, man. Dude, you're invited anytime. We'll get, definitely get these going on because fucking the banter is perfect. But anyways, peace out, y'all. We're heading out. See ya.